Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Uh, in the previous uh, podcast I did, I talked about an incredible case from January of 1978 that happened in Montvale, New Jersey, involving uh, uh, some young boys who saw a weird craft landing uh, in a park and, and, and weird creatures walking around and a uh, uh, very strange story. And uh, actually, one of my followers uh, on YouTube has uh, indicated to me that he actually knew two of the people that uh, saw the uh, two brothers who were part of this incident. And uh, he's trying to see if he could find out if they're still around. He's, he's looking into whether or not they uh, uh, he could contact them. Uh, that would be great because I would love to uh, interview these uh, some of these witnesses for that case, uh, if possible. Um, uh, so I'm looking forward to see if anything comes up with that. In fact, I'm going to do my own little research on it too as uh, to see if I can uh, find out if any of these people are still around. Uh, I'd love to interview them and, and get get their thoughts on, on, on that incident all these years later now, especially uh, since pretty much the government is uh, now telling us that UFOs are real and they don't really have answers for some of them. So maybe they won't uh, be uh, too afraid to go on the record again uh, to talk about this but because uh, obviously back in 1978 after this incident happened uh, they were ridiculed uh, by some people but anyway there was another case I want to talk about today that also happened in January of 1978 it happened at sometime in late January of 1978 we're not exactly sure of the exact date but uh, I've, I've seen the, the January 27th, January 24th, but whatever the case, it was sometime in late January of 1978, except this incident happened in England, in Cheshire. And uh, it involved uh, four uh, teenagers, two, four, te- four, this has involved four teenage boys, like 18, 17, 18, 19 years old, who uh, were on some private property and they were poaching uh, they were going after some pheasant, and uh, they shouldn't have been there, but uh, they were there, and uh, they probably la- later wished that they didn't go there because uh, they actually saw a weird craft uh, in the sky that actually came down to the ground and landed. Uh, two humanoids emerged from this craft and uh, basically went over to a cow with some sort of device that they thought looked like something like a cage, uh, but it wasn't. It seemed like they were using this device to measure the cow, uh, the boys got really scared. They thought if they're going to go after these cows, we're probably going to be next. Uh, and they got out of there quick. Uh, but as they were running away, they were feeling a force pulling on them, pulling, trying to hold them there. Uh, but if, if particularly the, the, the last kid in line, the last kid in the, in the, in the back of the, uh, pack running away, felt something pulling on, on him. And he actually had physical effects from this, uh, and so anyway, we're going to talk about that case. Now, there, I, I've, I've been reading about this in, a, in a several different uh, articles and also in, in a book from Jenny Randall's Alien Contacts and Abductions. It was talked about in here. I'll read a little bit from this, uh, from this uh, publication. And it says, it, it happened in Devil's Garden. It's a, it sits by the banks of the River Weaver in rural Cheshire. Uh, it's an evocative place to fish. Uh, but these kids weren't there fishing that day. They're, they're there to do some poaching of pheasants. It says here, for four youths in late January 1978, this was part of the thrill, as, as was the fact that they were poaching on land where they had no right to be. Alert to any noise or movement in the bushes, they pursued their quest on a cool and cloudy night. What the men aged between 17 and 19 were not to know was that they were about to become the prey of hunters who were distinctly not of this world. Uh, 
Now the name first names are listed here in this in this article, but we read I don't know if these are the real first names of the people or not, but it says here Jim glanced skyward expecting to see a meteor which had caught his eye, but instead he saw an object that fell from the air in silent and unremarkable descent. He nudged his friend Bill, whose father was a local state official, and so was more than wary of being mixed up in this daring venture. Uh, what is it? he asked. I don't know. A satellite maybe came the reply. It was true that just a few days before, a Soviet space probe had crashed to Earth, scattering radioactive debris over the Canadian snows. Luckily, nobody was injured, but the newspapers had remarked that there was a great deal of junk floating in orbit and that what goes up eventually comes down. Next time, this might not be onto some frozen and uninhabited wasteland or the middle of the sea. It could be somewhere such as the banks of a gently flowing stream rolling through the English countryside. Uh, now, according to a art, different article here, this is from uh, uh, from James Deem, who I was actually I was referring to in the in the previous podcast for a different event. Uh, he says here the silver sphere had a flashing light on each side near the top. What appeared to be a row of windows circled it near the middle, emitting a purplish light was that was hard to look at. When the object landed in some nearby bushes, the four hunters became frightened, not so much by the object as by the possibility of being contaminated by radioactivity from a satellite. Then they saw a figure which looked human and was wearing a silver jumpsuit and helmet. Attached to the top of the helmet was a blinding purple light similar to a miner's lantern. So I never heard, that's that's a new one where they're actually wearing whatever is on their head. They have a light on it like, if, like a coal miner would use. It says the young men watched as this creature surveyed the scene and gazed at some cows in an adjacent field. The cows seemed to be entranced by the silvery ball. The figure stepped behind the ball out of sight of the four boys and returned seconds later with a companion who was similarly dressed. The two figures carried a large cage made of light, made of light metal. They walked toward one of the cows and, using the cage-like contraption, appeared to measure it. Yeah, the different articles that I was looking at with this—that's uh, what it looked like. They didn't—they weren't using this device as as a method to capture the cow. They're using it apparently to measure it or do some sort of examination with it. I mean, who knows what what it really was? We don't know. Uh, it says here, but by now the hunters were terrified. They feared they might be next on the list if the beings caught sight of them. They turned and ran, not looking back until they were a mile or so downriver. You won't be surprised to learn that they could not see anything more of the mysterious silver sphere or its occupants. But uh, that's not the end of the story. When they were running away, now according to this uh, book from uh, Jenny Randalls, it says here, they did not get very far before they before there was a tugging, tingling sensation on their nether regions. Chris, who brought up the who brought up the rear and was straggling behind was most aware and most vulnerable for him it was as if a red-hot poker had been pushed be pushed down his trousers it was an excruciating and embarrassing pain he was needless to say quite scared to death by now the others had reached a bridge that led to the safety of a road and they hoped to sanctuary chris yanking free of the grinding sensation had hobbled up behind them and was saying very little through panting breath and muffled groans none looked behind to see if the beatings were still there none were concerned about the fate of the cow all were merely grateful to be out of the devilish place and on their way to somewhere which had very earthly welcoming lights and most of all other human beings uh and there was some more on this uh basically it was in the groin area where uh they were uh 
where Chris, the we don't again we don't know if that's his real first name or not, was feeling this, uh, feeling this tugging uh, sensation. Uh, but in, in another uh, publication that I was looking at here, Par- Paranormal Merseyside, uh, it states this. It says, uh, uh, what particularly scared them at the time, however, were not just the silver men, but also a fear that they might contract radiation sickness from the purple glow. Perhaps such fears were not without foundation, as when they fled, one of the boys began to feel pain and a pulling sensation in his private parts, almost as, if, almost as if some form of invisible suction device had been applied to them. Afterward, he discovered that his uh, private parts were bright red with a kind of severe sunburn-type rash, as were his legs, and his groin remained sore and tender for the next few days. So, uh, basically, whatever the... It seemed, when they, before they took off, they were looking at this cow... It, there was several cows there, and the, and the extraterrestrials were apparently interested just in one of them, and that cow was like just standing there, paralyzed, not moving. Surprisingly, and when it didn't do anything when these two beings went near it, and so when these kids go to take off, uh, they're feeling this tugging on them on their on, on their lower section of their bodies. Uh, obviously, these beings are using some sort of technology that paralyzes everything living within a certain range that's what it seems like and that's what it looks like here now of course uh, there's not w- w- everything that i've looked at with this story i can't find anything about anyone later finding a uh, this cow mutilated uh it could have been we just don't know uh we don't know i mean we don't know how long it really took for these uh four youngsters to go tell anyone about this we, we know that there were several different ufo investigators that had talked to them but they did not want to talk about this publicly and uh, makes you realize that you could understand uh, why they wouldn't. I mean, if they're doing some illegal poaching now, of course you're not going to want to go public with that. And even if you weren't doing doing anything illegal, you're not going to want to go public with it most likely because then you're going to face all sorts of ridicule. Uh, but to me, what it goes to show is that obviously what's happening here with these cattle mutilations is that they're, these beings have a way to basically somehow freeze in place paralyze in place somehow using some sort of technology every living creature within a certain area and that's what it seems like happened here because even these kids were hiding off in a bush watching all this action unfold uh before they take off you know they're seeing all this stuff and then they go to run away but there's still something seems like it's gripping onto them invisible they can't see it so what kind of technology is that who knows but obviously this is what these beings are using when they uh, mutilate cattle for whatever purpose that is. We don't know what the purpose is. I've speculated on that a billion times on this podcast, but all, all of it's speculation. Um, but it's still happening today. I mean, we're still having uh, cattle mutilations today. Again, I don't know if there was a cattle mutilated in this case, but I, I would not be surprised to find out that there was one. I mean, what were they doing with this cow? Uh, obviously, there's been other cases where UFOs are seen and you know in, over a, uh, a cow pasture, and then the next day there's uh, a mutilated cow. In this case, we have some kids, some uh, teenagers, 17, 18, 19 years old, doing some poaching in an area where they're not supposed to be and uh next thing you know a uh, craft shows up it, you know they think it's something else they think it's a satellite it's not a satellite it's shaped like a ball uh has lights on it and two weird short beings come out of it wearing helmets now they couldn't see their faces but they did see that they're wearing these kind of lights on their heads 
and uh, they, they, they take some sort of a contraption that looks like a cage over near this cow and they start like enclosing the animal with this cage. But then according to these kids, that's, that didn't seem to be the purpose to put it in a cage. It was doing something else, taking some kind of measurements. That's what they, that's, that was, that's what they felt was happening. And then he took off before they could see the end result, what, what, how the whole thing ended. So they don't know. But I would imagine that how it ended was that that cow was dead meat pretty quickly. That's that's my uh, belief. Uh, just like in so many other thousands, tens of thousands of other cases, I I've done a lot of podcasts uh, over the last uh, two years, and I've been talking about cases that have been happening all over the world, actually in New Zealand, in the United States, different areas out in the Midwest, uh, Oklahoma, New Mexico, Colorado. Oregon actually here there's a case here from NPR this was something from 2019 I want to go through uh it says not one drop of blood cattle mysteriously mutilated in Oregon and this is from uh npr.org of course I'll leave the link and there's a picture here which I'm not going to share on here because uh it's it's a terrible looking picture but I would recommend if you have a chance to take out this uh, look at this article if you're interested in seeing this picture but it has a picture of a cow and it, and it looks like a like it's, it looks like there's not even any bones left in it. it looks like it's completely sucked dry of everything inside of it but this cow that they found this bull uh had all of its blood drained out of it along with fo- uh, four other cows in the same area and they don't know how it, how it happened. I, I'll tell you right now, we we do know how it happened. We we do know it's extraterrestrials are responsible for this. I've been saying this for a long time now. That's what it is. I mean, whether they're doing it for food, whether they're doing it for some kind of experimentation, whether they're using it uh, for their uh, hybridization program, using cow blood, it's very close, similar to human blood. Whatever they're doing, right, they're doing, they're, whatever they're using it for, that's secondary, really. They are doing this. That's who's responsible. Uh, but anyway, it says here, in the early morning light, dust from hooves creates a fog at Sil- Sylvie's Valley Ranch in remote eastern Oregon. Cowboys whistle and talk low to their eager herding dogs. They're moving the cattle from one vast sage-studded range to another. Five young purebred bulls mysteriously, sh- mysteriously showed up dead on the ranch this past summer, drained of blood and with body parts precisely removed. The ranch's vice president, Colby Marshall, drives his truck down United States Forest Service Road. Then we'll get out and take a little walk and where one of the bulls was found. And the carcass is still there, Marshall says. Coming upon one of the dead bulls is an eerie scene. The forest is hot and still, still apart from a raven's repeating caw. The bull looks like a giant deflated plush toy. Let me just stop there. Yeah. To the picture that you see on here. That's what it looks like. It looks like a giant. That's a, the best description. This article, by the way, was written by Anna King, and she did a really good, really good job with it, I got to say. And that really is the description of this picture. It looks like a giant deflated plush toy, and it smells. Weirdly, there are no signs of buzzards, coyotes, or other scavengers. His red coat is as shiny as if he were going to the fair, but he's bloodless, and his tongue and genitals have been surgically cut out. Marshall says these young livestock were just reaching their top value as breeding bulls. The animals are worth around $6,000 each. And since these were breeding bulls, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of future calves were lost too. Finding these young Herefords in the remote country can sometimes take the ranch's experienced cowboys' days. Ranch staff are now required to ride in pairs and are encouraged to carry arms. It's rugged, Marshall says. I mean, this is the frontier. If some person or persons has the ability to take down a 2,000-pound range bull, you know, it's not inconceivable that they wouldn't have a lot of problems dealing with a 180-pound cowboy. 
<clears throat> well, let me just stop there for a second. Now, I know that a lot of ranchers, a lot of people don't want to really face the reality of the situation here. It's not people doing this. It's just not. Nobody's been caught doing this. We've been investigating this since the 1960s, and we're, we're going on 60 years here now uh, since we've been looking into this, and still to this day, no person has been caught mutilating the cattle. None, nobody in the whole world. Nobody's been caught. There's no satanic cults, right? There's no predators found that could do anything like this. Nothing. There's nothing. It's actual. It's extraterrestrials. That's what's going on here. That's they're the ones doing it for whatever reason. It says here uh, theories abound. Harney County Sheriff's Deputy Dan Jenkins has been working the cattle cases and has gotten dozens of calls from all over offering tips and suggestions. A lot of people lean toward the aliens, Jenkins says. One caller had told us to look for basically a depression under the carcass because he said that the alien ships will kind of beam the cow up and do whatever they are doing with it. Then they just dropped them from a great height. Oh, let me just stop there for a second. Yeah, that's what it does does seem like it happens sometimes, of course, as we've talked about a number of times. A lot of these cattle, Linda Moulton Howe will definitely tell you this, a lot of these uh, cattle seem to be dropped from a height because their bones are broken. In addition to having uh, body parts removed by laser laser precision and having their blood drained completely from their bodies, their bones are broke. And there's no tracks, there's nothing, no footprints, nothing around them. It's not people, it's extraterrestrials. They're doing this somehow. We don't know how or why. That's the, We just don't know those answers, but that's what it is. We know that answer. That 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 is the answer. It's extraterrestrials. Uh, we, we have to stop being stupid about this. That's what it is. I mean, there's no other explanation because that is the explanation. It says, uh, Jenkins says the cases have been tough with little evidence and no credible leads. Well, let me say this. Uh, there is evidence, though. We've, we've had evidence over decades. There's been multiple reports of people seeing UFOs hovering over these areas, b- strange black helicopters, which for all we know might be uh, projections, right? Might just be alien sp- spacecraft making themselves look like uh, black helicopters. We just don't know. Uh, it, there's a lot of evidence that points to uh, non-human intelligences being responsible. That's what it is. It says, on his whiteboard, he has a running list scrawled in green marker with the top theories. What's clear, it isn't bears, wolves, cougars, or poisonous plants, nor were the animals shot. And it also says there's the FBI won't confirm or deny that it's looking into the multiple slaughters. I think, let me just stop there. They're not going to confirm or deny anything, but I, don't, I think that they've given up on this a long time ago. But I think the FBI, I think that... Uh, uh, people in the uh, in the highest echelons of government understand what's been happening all these years. I think that they know. I think that it's ex- they know that it's extraterrestrials, and they also know that there's nothing we can do about it, and there's nothing that they can do about it, and it's just going to continue for as long as these extraterrestrials are with us, which who knows, maybe forever. It says here, two years ago, in 200 miles south near New Princeton, Oregon, one of Andy Davis's or excuse me, one of Andy Davies' cows was also found cut up and bloodless. She and her husband drove concentric circles around the corpse, but they never found any tracks. And in this dusty country, quote, everything you do leaves tracks, Davies says. Yeah, there you go. Uh, more proof to show that it's extraterrestrials. That's what it is. And just like we were just talking about with this story from 1978, where you actually have four people who said that they actually saw 
apparent extraterrestrial creatures. That's what they were. I mean, we don't have craft, circular sh- uh, shaped craft that make no, that doesn't make any sound that could just land in the middle of anywhere and then walk around a cow and then the cow just stands there, doesn't move. That we don't have that kind of technology. Obviously, uh, this is extraterrestrial. Where anybody who says otherwise is fooling themselves and trying to fool you along with them. Uh, anyway, it continues here. It says, back in the 1980s, one of Terry Anderson's mother's cow, mother cows was mysteriously killed overnight. Standing at his ranch near Pendleton, Oregon, Anderson points to the exact spot where he found her on top of a mountain. He remembers his cow lying dead, her udder removed with something razor sharp. And not one drop of blood anywhere, Anderson says. He has never gotten over it. It just left a really strange feeling with me since that day. You can't explain it, Anderson says. And you know, no one else has been able to explain it. And let me just say something. Yeah, we, but I am, I'm explaining it right now. It's, it's extraterrestrials. They're, they're doing this. And there's nothing anybody can do about it. Nothing. The story ends with this. It says here, The Harney County Sheriff's Office continues to field calls on the killings, and Sylvie's Valley Ranch has put up a $25,000 reward for information that could solve the case. Well, maybe I'm going to call up and try to cash in on that $25,000 reward because uh, I'm telling you right now, it's extraterrestrials. I mean, I don't have the uh, end-all evidence. I don't have photographs or video or anything to show you, but that's what it is. I mean, I'm, I'm using critical thinking skills that I, I, I was born with, and uh, I'm telling you right now, it's extraterrestrials. That's, that's who's responsible. Uh, and, and there's other cases, too. I mean, I remember, I remember uh, in one of the documentaries from that Linda Moulton Howe had put out, uh, I believe it was the, uh, the uh, An Alien Harvest. I think it was the second one that she did. Um, I think it was from the early 90s and there was a, one of the some people that she was talking to in there it was a, a husband and wife and they actually witnessed a, something themselves they, they actually witnessed from a distance alien beings pushing a cow onto some sort of craft that was semi-invisible it, it, that's what it is because it's that yeah they, sometimes we do see them uh, just like the 1978 case that I was talking about earlier and then this case that Linda Moulton Howe had uh, detailed in her documentary uh, this is happening this is what's going on and uh, we just need to face it the extraterrestrials extraterrestrials do this and there's absolutely nothing we can do about it you might as well just uh, look at it as uh, as predators because uh, that's what they are I mean if there's predators that could sometimes attack cattle and kill them uh, and there's and these aliens basically are like intelligent predators more intelligent than us and they're doing this for whatever reason we don't know why uh, we can't say with certainty uh, but we know one thing that's one thing that we do know for sure is that it's really happening extraterrestrials are responsible for these cattle mutilations i'm sure that there's some uh that are are pre- there are cer- certain ones for sure that are predators right there's no question right and there's uh, sometimes maybe a human being is responsible for killing a cow but when it comes to these specific kind of cases where their blood's completely drained and there's body parts removed with laser precision, right? In those kind of cases, and they have, and sometimes they have broken bones, right? In those cases, that's extraterrestrials. That's what it, that's who's responsible. So I don't know why we're a lot of people in this world are just not accepting this. We they, we we sit around. A lot of ranchers are sitting around scratching their heads, like I don't know what it is. We're trying to figure it out. Sheriff doesn't know what it is. No, no, we know what it is. It's extraterrestrials. That's what it is. That's the answer. It's time to face up to this already. It's time to stop being acting stupid about it. 
We're smart. We human beings are smarter than this. It's extraterrestrial. Oh, okay. Uh, moving on. I, I recently re- received a request from someone to talk about uh, what, like my favorite books, my favorite UFO books. So I want to talk about what my favorite UFO books are today. But before I get into that, I want to make sure that I let everyone know that I did get around to uh, getting Garrett Graff's UFO uh, his new book, UFO, The Inside Story of the United States Government's Search for Alien Life Here and Out There by Garrett Graff. Garrett Graff, who showed up all of a sudden recently on a lot of uh, mainstream news outlets. Uh, he, he seems, he's, to me, he's an establishment hack from every, based on everything that he's been stating on t- TV about UFOs. He seems like he basically doesn't think it's extraterrestrial and all that kind of stuff. Any, anybody who would do the research on this would most certainly would come to the conclusion that it is extraterrestrial. But I did say, uh, I, I did re- uh, report that I was going to do a review on his book. And once I do complete reading that book, I will do that review. But I am not there yet. But uh, if the book is anything like uh, how Garrett presented himself on TV, the, the same skeptical viewpoint about the extraterrestrial reality, well, of course, I'm going to have to give it a, a lousy review. But hey, I don't know. I didn't read the book. I didn't finish the book. I started it, but I didn't finish it yet. So I will uh, provide a review at some point in the future. Now, uh, getting into the my favorite books. Now, I have a, there's a ton of books. I mean, I, there's a lot of books I love, but I'll, I'll go through some of the, the I came up with a list today, uh, and I, I have to actually have them piled up here right beside me, and I want to talk about the the top twelve, the top twelve books that I have in my collection that I I consider probably my favorites. Although there are some that I that weren't in this top twelve, that I wish there was some way I could some somehow force them into it because there's a lot of books that I really enjoy about this subject. But I had to keep it at a certain number, and twelve is where we're going to keep it. But anyway, the first one here is uh, The Allagash Abductions by Raymond Fowler. I, I really love this book. This was one that I read a, uh, more than once because uh, I enjoyed it so much. It also had an introduction by Bud Hopkins. Uh, this was uh, published in, let's see here, uh, when it was it published? Uh, 1993. And I really enjoyed this book. And uh, it, of course, it was about four, four guys who went camping in the Allagash Mountains in Maine back in uh 1976 and they were abducted by aliens and uh and they were forced to be examined by these beings these strange insect-like looking creatures i i love this book because uh they didn't understand they didn't even know they had missing time and they saw a ufo then they experienced missing time and it wasn't until you know a decade later before they all started getting they realized something else happened and they all went under hypnosis one by one and they all told similar stories. Uh, an amazing story. I know a lot of you are familiar with this, but if you ever get the chance, and if you haven't already, you you should read the Allagash abductions because what's great about this case is that there's four four guys, four people, four witnesses, four people at the same time abducted, and they all go under hypnosis, and, and they all tell the same story under hypnosis. It's it's as far as I'm concerned, that's that serves as evidence proof of the extraterrestrial presence i mean anybody who would read something like that and walk away thinking oh well i don't i'm not sure well i don't know what planet you're on i mean it's pretty clear cut okay uh moving on here another book that i really like uh is top secret slash magic operation majestic 12 and the united states government's ufo cover-up by the late great stanton t friedman of course stanton friedman i uh i 
I love that guy. I'll tell you, uh, I love his books. I loved when he was on TV. He was a strong voice in the UFO community. And in this book here, uh, he really makes a strong case for the, uh, that, that stating that the, uh, that the of the authenticity of the uh, some of those majestic 12 documents that were leaked to, to different UFO researchers in the 80s and then in the early 90s and uh, it's to me I, I find it fascinating I, see there's a lot of things like in, in a book like this you, you see documentaries about this subject about the, the majestic 12 documents but they they can never do it justice no no documentary I've ever seen on TV could ever do it justice this here breaks it all down to show you why some of these documents were actually authentic and you, you just you can't go wrong with this is a book I read like three times I, I love this book Okay, moving on. Now, this is a strange book to include in the in, into this group, but I have to because I realized I actually when I thought about this question, it's like I always find myself looking at it. It's actually called the Roswell Report Case Closed by the United States United United States Air Force, and this came. <laughs> I got this book for free back in 1997 from the United States Air Force. I was doing a an article about the. Uh, 50th anniversary of the Roswell crash and I contacted the Air Force and they sent me this and I always find myself looking through it because it's it to me it just it's almost like an admission that that what happened in Roswell was a US, was an extraterrestrial crash and and that they did recover bodies because the explanations provided by the Air Force are so absurd it's almost like you're they're telling you it's almost like they're they're winking at you when you look at this, you have to see this book to believe it. It's incredible. It's so funny, actually. This is where they suggested for the first time that uh, what people saw in 1947 were actually these anthropomorphic dummies dropped from high altitudes during tests in other parts of the country from 1953 to 1959. It's absolutely absurd. Basically, mannequins. They're saying people mistook mannequins dropped from high altitudes that landed in the desert that had uh, tags on them that said United States Air Force. They mistook them for uh, little gray beings with giant heads and giant uh, big uh, black almond-shaped eyes and, and, and four, four fingers on their hand. One of the explanations for, 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 the, for the beings only having four fingers on their hands, according to the Air Force, is because uh, when, when, the, when these uh, dummies hit the ground, uh, one of the fingers would, would get uh, knocked off. That was the explanation. It, it's so it's beyond absurdity, and that's why to me it's almost like an admission. It's almost like they admitted the truth in this book, as far as I'm concerned. And I I find myself going through it every now and then, just because I'm fascinated by how stupid it is, and at the same time I'm fascinated that they would ever put something out like this and foist something like this onto the the American public, and even more fascinated by the fact that the mo the mainstream media for the most part just took it like believed in it like it was gospel I, I it's, it's amazing to me so if you ever get a chance get a get a copy of the roswell report case closed from the united states air force it's absurd and it actually serves as proof as far as i'm concerned of the extraterrestrial reality okay uh moving on uh alien agenda by the late great jim mars i i love this book actually the first time i read this book i actually had borrowed it from the library i eventually bought my own copy uh, I love this book for a lot of reasons. He talked. This is the first time I ever uh, read about or heard about the uh, 1897 Aurora, Texas case. Was in this book. He actually had pictures of the uh, the headstone that was stolen. Uh, I, I love this book. And there's so he goes over everything on here. All kind all kinds of conspiracies uh, with regard to this phenomenon. And it's just a fantastic book. I mean, he covers it all. He talks about Roswell, of course. Uh, 
everything he goes goes through the the works on it and and he has a there's a humorous way of his the way he writes and which makes this highly entertaining so i actually you know very much recommend alien agenda by jim mars great book of course here's a a good an oldie but a goodie communion by whitley streber you can't go wrong here i mean obviously whitley streber he was he's already a uh, a best-selling author at this point in his life when he starts realizing he's being abducted by aliens so he figures you know what i might as well write a book about it and write a book he does and it's a fascinating book it's a, it's a book i find myself going back to on a, on a regular occasion um, on a regular basis to 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 be fascinated all over again it just never gets old to me so communion is most certainly something you got to check out now here's a great book, Flying Saucers from Outer Space by um, uh, retired Major Donald Kehoe of the Marines. Of course, this was from published back in 1953. This was his second book. Fascinating book. Of course, Kehoe at the time, was he had all kinds of inside contacts and he was getting all kinds of stuff. And actually, it was in this book where uh, he had written about a, a top intelligence official had told him uh, relate to him his theory that these things are obvious he thinks that, that that they're actually uh trying to uh, attempting to colonize the planet that they came here from a dying world and they could be here to colonize the planet that's where this theory was laid out initially but it's interesting because uh, he writes it like uh like he's like it's almost like a biography uh, like almost like a what would you call it a diary i mean he's telling you all his conversations with all these different pentagon insiders who this guy tells him that this person tells him this it's an amazing piece of work from, from and, it, and it's like from the 1953 or early 1950s when he's uh getting all this information from people within the pentagon tell and basically they didn't they don't they wouldn't really give him anything you know they wouldn't give him at all but there a lot of them were leaning to the extraterrestrial hypothesis and, and it's fascinating to to read something from that time period written by somebody who had contacts on the inside so uh, flying saucers from outer space. Another th- another thing about this book that makes it interesting is that it inspired a, a big science fiction movie from 1956 called Earth versus the Flying Saucers. Uh, that movie in the beginning it says it's suggested by Flying Saucers from Outer Space by Donald Kehoe, and basically in that movie, what's happening? There are these beings are coming here, and and uh, Washington's trying to do everything to prevent them from colonizing the planet. They're trying to take over the world, basically. And uh, and and they were inspired by Donald Kehoe's book. Now, of course, that movie is completely outrageous, beyond outrageous, uh, but it's entertaining. But it was inspired by flying saucers from outer space. And if you haven't read that one, yeah, I got that. You can only—I I don't know if you can get brand new copies these these days. This is an original, but it, it doesn't have its book jacket anymore. I I bought it used online. Okay, here's another great one, uh, and this is by Stanton Friedman and Kathleen Martin. Uh, this is Captured, the Betty and Barney Hill UFO Experience. Of course, the first book written on this uh, was The Interrupted Journey uh, from the 1960s, but this book is even better than that one. This really uh, gets a, a deeper dive into that whole whole story, and, and, and anybody who would read this book would walk away realizing, yes, oh, there's no question about it, these people uh, encountered extraterrestrials, they were kidnapped by extraterrestrials, they were forcibly brought on board an extraterrestrial craft against their will, and they suffered all kinds of um, bad dreams because of this instant, because of these experiences, and it all comes out later in hypnosis, and it's a, all, we all know it's a great story, this is the best book out there you can get about that incident. If you're interested in Betty and Barney Hill, check out this book. 
Um, I'll just say one more thing regarding it. If you're if you're ever interested in a movie, uh, a film version of that, there was a, a movie from 1975 called The UFO Incident. It was a TV movie, excellent TV movie. That's available on Blu-ray. I think it was released uh, in the past two years. Uh, fantastic movie. James Earl Jones, by the way, who everyone knows is Darth Vader, plays uh, Barney uh, in that movie. Fantastic movie. Okay, moving on. The Threat by David M. Jacobs. Now, this book here is fantastic. Of course, I talk about this book a lot on the show. Of course, Jacobs on here uh, in this book says that uh, what's going on is that these beings are here. Based on all the research, all the people he hypnotizes, like he's, he's basically working with alien abductees. Uh, he came. He comes to the conclusion in these in this book that they're here to take over the planet. That they're here. That this that they're using this hybridization program to, I don't know, to to install uh, human-like beings among us. And they're here now, and they're going to take over the planet at some point with the uh, praying mantis-type looking beings, the ones as the ones in charge. That's what that's the conclusions he reaches in this book. But it's a fascinating book. Actually, uh I bought this book right when it came out. This is from nineteen ninety eight and I must have read it about five times at the, by this point. It's it's fantastic. And I do refer to it a lot in my podcast. So you, this is one you want to check out if you don't if you already don't have it. Uh now there's a lot of good Roswell books out there. Uh, a lot of good ones. There's the, the the truth about the UFO crash at Roswell. There's witness to Roswell. There's a lot of really good books about Roswell. But this one here was my favorite. Roswell, the ultimate cold case closed by Thomas Carey and Donald Schmidt. Fantastic book. I mean, again, like like the Majestic 12 stuff, you can't ever get enough all the information you need at from a documentary that you want to get from a documentary and there's just it's just they're just not good enough books really uh we we there's more information in there that you, you there's so many witnesses so many different people that, that these guys talk to it's it it basically tells you that there's no question about it that there's a there was an alien craft at Roswell there's just too many witnesses and once you read a book like this you're going to realize that oh my god if if you don't believe it now and you read something like this you'll believe it when you're done reading the air force has nothing they never did they don't have any explanation for what happened there they're not telling you they won't give you any explanation they won't give you any truthful explanation their truthful explanation has all all of the stuff that they've said over the years has been totally absurd but when you when you're hearing from the horse's mouth from people who are actually there a lot of first-hand witnesses a lot of second-hand witnesses when you're hearing from all these different people you realize oh my god there's a, there was a cover-up people were getting threatened there was something that crashed here there were alien bodies and we in the air force the not like at the time it wasn't called the air force it was called the army air forces they were lying at that time and the air force is is still lying about it today the pentagon has never told us the truth about what happened at roswell okay moving on okay this is a must-have in your collection is ufo crash retrievals the complete investigation by leonard stringfield if you don't have this one i don't know what you're doing this is the one i know it, it cost a hundred bucks online to get a, a, a new copy of this but believe me it's worth every penny of it and 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 no other time it has it been more uh important than right now i mean david grush as we all know has come out last year testified about what what's going on about the secret uh, crash retrieval and reverse engineering programs this guy here really was the one who started talking about this heavy back in the late 1970s and he put out a bunch of different he put out seven different reports from the late 1970s to the early 90s this book here has all those reports he met 
he was talking with a lot of different people, a lot of insiders, doctors who actually did autopsies on on alien bodies. It's fantastic. This book is amazing. You'll hear a lot of people on other UFO channels talking about this. You'll hear people like Richard Dolan talking about this a lot. UFO crash retrievals. You'll hear people like Michael Schratt. Michael Schratt's like an expert on this book. That guy talks about it a lot. This is something that you got if you don't if you want if you're really interested in UFO crash retrievals, this is the place to start. It's amazing. I get chills down my spine just thinking about this book. Fantastic. Okay, uh, moving on. I got a giant pile of books on the left side of me now. Okay, my next two books: UFOs in the National Security State, Volume Two, and UFOs in the National Security State, Volume One by Richard Dolan. Richard Dolan is a historian, and he put these two books together, and it basically tells the story of UFOs and the cover-up, and with the as far as the United States government is concerned, as far as and and other governments too, and it's all these should be like. This should be part. These should be textbooks for a UFO class somewhere. That's that's what they should be because that's what they are. I mean, they're fantastic books. These are educational books that tells you the history of UFOs and how the government has handled UFOs ever since they started worrying about UFOs back in the 1940s. The first volume, of course, uh, uh, it's, it's a chronology of a cover-up from it covers 1941 to 1973, and then the second book. Uh, 1973 to 1991. I can't wait till he puts out the third book on this. This is uh, he's come out with a lot of books. These are my two favorites from Richard Dolan. He's a historian. He knows what he's talking about. He knows how to do research. He knows how to put it down in, in books. You, you can't. I mean, if any, if you're someone in the mainstream media who doesn't understand this subject, start here. Start with these two books. Grab yourself a coffee, a copy of UFO Crash Retrievals, and and the rest of these books. Give yourself an education. Uh, cause you, you, you need to, people out there should really educate themselves. People out there in the media really need, to, they're the ones who really should be educating themselves because they're the ones who are, are showing up on TV or writing articles and newspapers on a regular basis about this topic. And a lot of times I can tell just by reading their stories that they don't know what they're talking about. They really don't. These people spend a lot of time on research and they put stuff together. It's real. It's fantastic. It's interesting. It's educational. And uh, and people who are interested in this subject, these books, uh, the books, the twelve books I just talked about, you, you should have them in your library. Uh, or, or and if you don't, if you don't already, that's that's what I got to say about it. Anyway, I want to say uh, thank you all for joining me. Until next time.